Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Alex Avila with Love University, and we're back. I'm an author, psychologist, and speaker. Every week, we talk about how to love ourselves, others, and higher nature, how to improve our finances, career, health, relationships, and spirituality. And we have a very distinguished and interesting guest today. This is William Bruce Cameron, also known as W. Bruce. He is an author, columnist, and humorist. His novel, A Dog's Purpose, spent 52 weeks on the New York Times bestseller list and was adopted into a wonderful movie starring Dennis Quaid. It was followed by A Dog's Journey, A Dog's Way Home, and also he, he also co-wrote, uh, I guess, a screenplay with his wife uh, for these movies. And also he's uh, written other, other things, Eight Simple Rules for Dating My Teenage Daughter, which was a TV sitcom apparently. Uh, he's the author of How to Remodel a Man. And he just told me he wrote 34 books translated into over 60 languages. Uh, he lives with his wife, uh, you say your dog, Tucker, and your wife uh, in uh, Los Angeles, California. Welcome, Bruce, to the show. Thank you for having me. This is going to be great. Yeah, I think it is. Uh, now, your books and movies are beloved by millions of people. This whole idea of the dog that reincarnates and, and brings love again. Uh, now, you have a wonderful story as to how you came up with that. I was reading about it. Can you tell us how that, how that worked? Well, I, I was uh, living in Los Angeles as a single man, uh, having gotten divorced. And uh, I met this woman and, you know, we started to date, which is really awkward when you're as old as I am. But then at some point we decided to go visit her parents who lived in the Bay Area. And we were driving up the coast of California and she turns to me out of nowhere and she says, I will never have another dog. Hmm. And uh but my reaction to that was I was going to have to let her out at the next gas station because there's no way in the world I'm going to go through life with a woman who uh, doesn't let me have a dog. But oh. I had a long drive ahead of me. And yes. so I decided to to make up a story to try to convince her that the love that she had from her first dog hmm. who had passed was available to her and another dog if she would just open her heart. Hmm. And uh, so I made up a story about a dog who reincarnates, remembers each life and keeps learning lessons that eventually enable him to come back and save his original boy. And um, uh, she said, you got to write that as a book. And so that, that became a dog's purpose, which is uh, to date my, my biggest book by far. And uh, that's the one that was on the New York times bestseller list for more than a year and at seven weeks at number one. So it did really well for me. Yes. He forgot there's a little catch at the end of the story because that woman became something special to you as well. Well, she liked the story so much she married me. Uh, <laughs> okay. yeah. And we did get a dog. His name's Tucker. Okay. And he's 24 pounds of suspect DNA. Okay, interesting. Is he there by any chance or around the house? No, no. Uh, I'm away. I'm at, uh, I, it's a home that's been in my family for three generations. And I'm. Oh. it's up in Michigan. So I'm in a little cabin. I see. And okay. Tucker's back doing the Hollywood thing in LA. Oh, the Hollywood thing. Okay. Now, uh, you know, the phrase, the love of dogs, or, you know, humans and dogs love each other. Now, I have a little dog here. This is uh, Itsy. I don't know if you can see her. He's a hey, miniature, Itsy. miniature golden retriever. Kind of like, a, I call her a psychology dog. He's yeah. kind of the mascot for Love University. You see her? Uh, yeah, and she's very loving. Yeah, very loving. And I think you talk about a golden retriever you had, or a retriever you had when you were a little kid, eight-year-old, I think you said, was your first dog. First dog I ever met uh, that was that, that came into the family was a dog named Cammy. I was eight years old. Mm -hmm. Cammy was about eight weeks old. Puppy, Labrador Retriever. Oh. Uh, from that point on, we we never had anything but retrievers when I was growing up. I, that's that's kind of all I knew. So Tucker's a, a change for me because mm -hmm. he's not a Labrador. Labradors are 
they're pretty they have very distinct breed characteristics yes. with tucker with having no distinct breed oh, as okay. tucker characteristics he's he's his own dog right have you ever seen that tucker web series that's kind of funny of the golden retriever his name tucker i have not seen that yeah one. It's, it it's, got like, it's got millions of hits so basically the um, the uh, owner kind of mouths the dog's voice it's very funny <laughs> it's a funny dog <laughs> now there's actually a um a story where a guy had a dog and he was uh, traveling nationwide. He's trying to find a hotel that would accommodate the dog. So he sent a bunch of emails out. And then finally, this one um, hotel owner responded, uh, yes, your dog can be a, a, a valuable guest. Uh, I've never had a, a, a dog uh, smoke cigarettes and let the uh, put the room on fire. Uh, and I've never had a dog get so drunk that he got into a fight with his uh, girlfriend and the police were called. So therefore, yes, your dog is welcome. And if it's right. okay with Misty, you can come too. So... <laughs> So basically, there's that love and that bond uh, between humans and uh, dogs. T tell us a bit. Where, where do you think that comes from? Is that biological? Oh, I, know, I know exactly where it comes from. It comes from uh, uh, something that happened about 30,000 years ago uh, when I was in elementary school. There was, a, uh, there was a bond that formed between humans and wolves. It was the oh. first domesticated animal in the history of humans. Yes. And it changed. It was a it was a game changer. It was a disruptive technology because we were hunting with, you know, sticks that had sharp stones tied to the end of it. And we were trying to take down rather massive animals because back then all the animals were bigger. And, and uh, when we came up with the idea of domesticating wolves, well, that meant that we could hunt much more successfully because now we had a partner. And it turned out that if you uh, really got along well with the wolves, then you were more likely to reproduce. And if the wolves that adapted to us did so easily and frankly loved us, then they were more likely to be allowed to reproduce. And so we were at that moment co-evolving without even realizing it. And so now skip forward 30,000 years and it's literally in our DNA to love dogs wow. because those of us who loved dogs way back when they were wolves, we, we were more successful hunters. And we passed on that affection for those cre creatures and the dogs the same way. They, they instinctively love us. They don't know why they love us so much, but they do. Fascinating. Maybe we should do a study on evolutionary dog psychology. That could be a whole uh, genre of field. Uh, that's kind of fascinating. I, and, I'll uh, leave that, that kind of stuff up to you. Oh, okay. I'll take care of that. Okay. Now, the other thing is I noticed is very fascinating about your books and the movies is there's a spiritual element to them, a psychological element in terms of the thing of reincarnation, which is interesting uh, here in the in the West, you know, it's more more known in the East uh, of the world, and also um, in your book. So you have basically the dog reincarnates as different dogs. I see, uh, and that keeps the love going. Apparently, you never really lose a dog, and he's reunited at the end with Ethan. I think as Bailey was it Bailey the dog name or yeah yeah, uh, and also and then at the end they go to heaven as well. So you have like both reincarnation and heaven. So you have interesting spiritual dynamics there. Now, how did you come up with it? Do you have any spiritual beliefs yourself? What's your kind of um, understanding of this? Well, uh, you know, I'm not sure. I'm open to the concept of reincarnation. I'm not sure it's a bedrock belief. If there is reincarnation, though, I'm not. I'm not doing eighth grade again. Once, oh, okay. once is enough. <laughs> uh, I will. I'll, I don't know that dogs reincarnate, but I do know that many people have come up to me and said, "Oh no, the dog I have right now knows things." Hmm. That, the, that only my old dog squeak sneakers could have known and, and things like that have happened. Uh, so I, I have that sort of built in. And then uh, some of my 
works deal much more directly with religious themes. I wrote a book called Emery's Gift. It's not about dogs. It's about uh, a grizzly bear, oh. but it it is uh, it's very spiritual and it has religious themes in it. So I'm not afraid to tackle that. Uh, but dogs, you know, I I think dogs kind of look to us as their deities. They they that's their belief system, and so. When I'm writing, especially writing from the perspective of a dog, I have to keep in mind that the way they regard us uh, is almost perfect. We're perfect when we open the refrigerator and get the bacon out. <laughs> then we're perfect. Perfect. I see. Now, do you personally have any spiritual path? Are you Christian, Buddhist, um, spiritual, but not yeah, religious? Yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian. Yeah. Okay. So, because of the beautiful part of heaven, and we'll talk a little bit later about that passage where they meet, you know, at this beautiful paradise at the end. And because uh, people, when they feel very sad, uh, their dog dies, you know, there's a hope that, you know, they can be reunited. Uh, and the other thing, uh, I think you also mentioned uh, synchronicity, uh, which is destiny. You know, are do dogs and humans destined for each other in a specific uh, context? What do you think of that? I mean, are you uh, destined for your dog um, that you met? Yeah, I, I have a belief that I will see all of my dogs again. And mm -hmm. I also believe that my dog, Tucker, is a conduit to dogs that I've I've known from my past, and I will sometimes ask Tucker to pass along a message. It might be foolishness, but I I feel it, and and I think that when I'm channeling a feeling that strong about uh, these dogs that guided me through parts of my life where I really need canine companionship, I think yes. when I'm channeling that and I'm talking to Tucker, it's it's working it's working for me. And um, I have no evidence that my dogs are getting the message, but somehow I believe it anyway. It's interesting. Yeah, it's a comfort that we have. Uh, you know, also when people die, humans, you know, there's the afterlife idea, united uh, eternally. Now, the other thing is the benefits of dogs. You know, some research shows they lower blood pressure, reduce loneliness, depression, things like that. I had this lady on my show. I don't know if you heard about it. Susanna, it's just Savannah Charlson. She does with Possibility Dogs. She wrote books on it. Well, these dogs, uh, they do a lot of things. You know, they're therapy dogs, but also they can rescue people that get lost, like with Alzheimer's. You know, they smell something from their shoe and they find them. Also, they find other dogs. And the other, also, she had mentioned that her family was estranged and they got a little dog and it brought them together. So, in your experience, what are some of the benefits of having dogs in terms of psychologically? Well, I would say that they will lower your blood pressure unless you're trying to housebreak them in a high rise, <laughs> which is what oh. my journey was with Tucker. That was not a exa exactly a tranquil or right. calming episode of my life. Right, right. Um, but anybody who has known the love of a dog knows that uh, you just don't get a more pure, uh, unconditional kind of affection than you do from a dog. And a dog is so forgiving. We humans can be very judgmental. Not a dog. A dog doesn't care what I wear. Doesn't doesn't say to me, are you really leaving the house wearing that? Are you ugly? Are you pretty? The, the dog doesn't care about that. Yeah, pretty, the dog doesn't form. care if I forgot if I forgot to comb my hair. Oh, so what? You know, and uh, and always glad to see me. Uh, I can take the trash out, and when I come back, I'm greeted as if I've just spent four years in the war. You know, mm -hmm. so I I think that they give us such a positive glow. And honestly, 
that that's the that's the lesson that the dogs are here to teach us this yeah. positivity this idea that uh nothing can be that bad hmm. um and you know dogs are given very little time to live uh, they're not aware of it but if they were i don't think it would bother them I think instinctively a dog knows when it's getting old, slowing down, feeling pain. And at that point, uh, I think a dog is looking at us and, and is very concerned if there's not another dog in the house. Who's going to take care of my person when I'm gone? That's what I think a dog is thinking. Yeah, it's really interesting. You're adding some interesting psychological elements I haven't thought about. Not ju judgmentalism is one. And uh, the time span, you know, even if you have 10 years left in life or whatever about, make it count. You make it as if this is the most powerful thing you would ever have. Now, in the book, uh, Doc's Purpose, I think the dog says, uh, my purpose is to have fun. I'm thinking of spontaneity, you know, having that childlike uh, playfulness that we sometimes lose as adults, but to maintain that. Uh, to save others, which is, I think that's an important part, uh, loving others, uh, not getting upset about past and future, so living in the moment you know, uh, eliminating regrets, and also the uh, future uh, fears. You know, I wrote a book called The Secrets of Happiness, Three Secrets of Happiness. So that would be gratitude, deals with the present. Uh, forgiveness is the past, you know, forgiving yourself and others. And optimism is the future. So it sounds like a dog has that kind of nailed down, that those three things, because they're you know, always in the present. And then finally, I think you said, uh, Bruce, um, what I call to give love without expectation, loving energy. And that is very rare. I always say that uh, we see that between uh, humans and animals, uh, uh, parents and young children, but then sometimes we lose that in adult relationships. So have you ever thought about that? How do we recapture that the love without expectation comp component as adults? Yeah, I think it's because we're such complex beings and we, we lose, we, we get so buried in the intricities and complications of life and a dog keeps it simple and the the joy of an animal who can celebrate things like a car ride. Uh, I, I put my dog in the car to take Tucker for a car ride. I told him, we're going to go for a car ride. We got in the car. I realized I couldn't go. I had to make a phone call. So oh. I got out of the car and let him out of the car. And he was like, that was the best car ride ever. <laughs> yeah. One minute, uh, I'm okay, right? Whatever. <laughs> Thanks. I mean, so let's uh, let's try to understand and appreciate that. If I'm, if, you know, if I'm if I'm hurrying my meals, if I'm standing at the kitchen counter bolting something down so I can get somewhere, am I am I really enjoying life? Did I did I, am, is my life so overscheduled that I've I've factored out the sheer enjoyment uh, that you know my dog Tucker takes in finding the exact right spot to take a nap to go for a walk and to smell the smells and to stop not just smelling the roses, but smelling everything that is, mm. that's a dog's way. And that's what, that's what I think we can learn from it. I like that. Bruce, I think you and I, I just came up with a title we can work on possibly it's called a uh, dog's lessons in happiness, a self-help self book. You know, you see? And I don't know if yes. people have written that, but it would be interesting to apply all the lessons that dogs can teach us uh, for human happiness. right? Cause we can do that. You, you like that title? I love it, yeah. Because you're you're a good title guy. I noticed that you're you're a writer. <laughs> <laughs> but you haven't mentioned uh, now. Cats are a whole different concept. A lot of people love cats, and um, I never really had too much affinity. But this one stray cat came in the backyard and was kind of like they would you know should go on my lap and all that. What do you think about cats? Are you for against or? Uh, what's your I, I've had a cat. I love the cat. Cat. Oh, are you cat with really cat? particularly like me? 
Oh, <laughs> uh, reasons I don't know. I thought I I thought I was a nice person. I fed the cat. I, oh, I see. You know, all the stuff you're supposed to do. Bought a cat toys. Okay. Uh, the dog loved the cat toys, and uh, I people ask me all the time, "Well, when are you going to write a cat's purpose?" Oh, and I have pets. <laughs> I don't know what the purpose of a cat is. Oh, okay, that's a good point. So I, it's going to be difficult for me to write that book. Right. So you think some people are like dog lovers, some are cat lovers, and some are both, and 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 both. I mean, a, a lot of people love both and love all animals and, and bless right. them. I do too. Uh-huh. Uh, I I recognize the cats are just not that particularly fond of me, <laughs> maybe because of the way I dress or something. But but, but a dog, <laughs> I promise you, dogs love me. Of course, I always have you know dog treats in my pocket, and oh, it's amazing how dogs can sniff that out. And so mm-hmm. everybody says, "Wow, Bruce, you know, dogs really love Bruce." Well. Dogs love what's in my pocket, and I don't tell people that's why their dog is loving me so much. I see. Now, in the U.S., uh, you know, we're known for taking care of dogs pretty well. In some countries, not as much. But in the U.S., uh, in other places, how, how can we take better care of our dogs? I mean, even psychologically, what do dogs need, do you think? Well, look, uh, we took over dogs. We, uh, we bred them to serve us. And that's why we've got dachshunds and that's why we've got Sharpays and that's, but, but here's the thing. You, you don't see a pack of dachshunds taking down a wildebeest. We, we've taken away from them their ability to fend for themselves in the wild. It's a rare dog that can live without humans. And even the dogs that are feral are generally located in urban areas where they can eat off of human scraps and handouts. Um, so we owe them. Uh, our species owe, the, owe them. Our debt goes all the way back to that first campfire and that first decision to domesticate the wolf. Uh, but, but fast forwarding to where we are today, we have completely mismanaged uh, dog populations. We've, we've overbred them. We've allowed them to go through life reproducing, which they will instinctively do uh, until there's too many of them. And then we've tried to manage that problem. Uh, I think we we owe them a great deal. And I think what the, the best thing we can do is work on managing their populations so that the, we don't have so many dogs that through no fault of their their own have fallen through the cracks and are homeless mm. uh, because uh, they will want to be with humans. Uh, it's a rare dog that has been so usually it's something that has happened to dogs dramatically right. Right. that makes them incapable of living with people. So you're saying but, reduce the population of dogs or have, find them homes? What do you think would be a societally a good idea? You know, I think, I think we need to, uh, we, we need to be realistic about spay and neutering programs and, and we need to find them homes and uh, animal rescues are begging people to come in and adopt. Hmm. Don't buy from some breeder in uh, a rural area who has cages in the backyard and is right. just, forcing dogs to reproduce and is selling those puppies to, 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 to pet stores. Don't, don't do that. Go to a rescue. You can have, if you're, if you're, we just, we've been talking about golden retrievers. If you are into golden retrievers, I just spoke a couple nights ago at the uh, golden retriever rescue of the Rockies organization. Really? And wow. they have placed so many purebred nice. golden retrievers. If you want a golden, you can mm. get a golden. You want a lab, you can get a lab. Wow. That's really amazing. And of course, give them a lot of attention and, uh, you know, affection, of course, and companionship, I would imagine. Yes. 
is important for dogs. Now, the other thing, uh, Bruce, um, and your theme was dealing with the loss of a dog. You said your fiance, now wife, uh, and that really helped her, you know, comfort her at the time. Uh, the idea of the possibly the reincarnation idea. Is there anything else you can help people that grieve uh, for the loss of a dog in terms of recovery? Well, I think you need to. I, I think that we could all use the perspective of understanding that um, it's a gift that they are here for such a short period of time, because what they are teaching us is that everything wonderful comes to an end, mm. and that. Uh, but except love, which is eternal, yes. and that we should live life like the dogs. You find yourself saying, well, this was another bad day. Well, she, I think she just yeah. said something. She, she whined a little bit. She responded. Yeah. <laughs> She's agreeing with me. If, if she thinks, if you think you're having a bad day and your head is down and you just need to think about how a dog would approach the same experience, <laughs> dogs would not be depressed. I sure said. So kind of like uh, absorb their energy a little bit their nature of um you know going with life as it comes and also being grateful that we're here for the time that we have yeah we're here for a short period of time too Humans, so yeah, exactly don't, don't be like a dog don't waste the moment that's a, excellent now the other thing is interesting is um now you're a very prolific writer uh that's a lot of books so you know we have uh, people that are interested in writing on our show that uh, ask questions about it and you said that in this particular case you kind of channeled this book you said uh, in two hours you told your wife to be the story of this dog, right? The, you know, the dog's purpose. Yeah. Said, That's unusual. This never really happened to you too much. Uh, that, that no, it's it's very – so uh, I went through a time period where I, I I was pretty arrogant. I had a television show on the air, Eight Simple Rules, with John Ritter. Uh, and I was taking meetings every day with Hollywood people, and they, I had optioned a couple more things. And everything was going great, and I was starting to think I was really hot stuff. And I – I think I, I became a little too arrogant uh, for my own good. And then I had the inevitable business reversal. Unfortunately, John passed away. Uh, the show got can canceled. Things that we could not have foreseen were happening. And uh, I eventually turned and made a plea heavenward. And I said, I think I, I think I thought this was all me. I forgot that one of the main reasons why I can can sell anything that I write is that I was given a talent. Mm. I didn't do anything to deserve the ability to string together sentences in a coherent fashion. That just came. And uh, I have practiced it. Um, but if I, have, if I was born a superb athlete and basketball player, and I practice basketball every day. I get a lot of credit for all the practice, mm. but I'd have to acknowledge some of it came from just what I was given at birth. Yes. And when I when I humbled myself a little bit and started acknowledging that that my gifts were God given, uh, it it coincided with driving up the coast of California, and and I had always in the past pieced together a story like a mouse running a maze where I would go in one direction until I hit an impediment and I turn around, go back to where the story last made sense and go in a different direction. A dog's purpose came to me as if I had flipped the switch and was watching a streaming service. I saw every scene, I saw dialogue, I saw characters and I, I just, I spat it all out in one long narrative, um, which has never happened to me before or since. Interesting. But I mean, if you were to give advice for writers, uh, some people say, you know, write the four, first uh, few hours in the morning, have discipline, 
uh, you know, right when you're inspired. I have a phrase I, I use. I say, um, don't let don't wait until the inspiration moves you. You move the inspiration by developing a discipline pattern. So, what's your advice to writers that they want to be prolific like you? Well, uh, you know, you kind of put a modifier on it at the very end. Who who want to be prolific like me? I developed a system that I follow to this day, and it is it, it is so precise. I know exactly where I need to be in the novel on every day of its of its journey. Yes. And I, uh, I don't hit a word count per day as mm. a goal, but I have dates in mind by which I'll finish a certain draft. Mm. Uh, so it, it, it comes to developing a discipline, but I don't think, I think the discipline is for whatever works. Mm. If it works for you to get up in the morning and write, then do that. That's what I did uh, for, with several, for several years of my life. I didn't sell any of those projects but I would get up at four 30 and write before I went to my day job. Wow. And uh, now I get up and I write after walking my dog and talking to my dog about what I'm planning to write. Um, and I, and, but I, it's, it's very much a discipline. So my advice is, well, uh, forgetting being prolific and just going to developing your craft, you have to recognize it's, it's like shooting baskets. It's, right. it takes repetition mm -hmm. And uh, if you wait for the, the muse and a burst of creativity and you might write something brilliant that afternoon. But if you're going to if you're going to wait for that, if you're going to wait for those rainbows to find a pot of gold every single time you sit down to write. That novel is going to take you 10, 15 years. And it might be right. to kill a mockingbird. It might be a classic. Sure. But if it turns out you are like me and your first book wasn't any good and your second book wasn't any good and your third book didn't sell and your fourth book didn't get published. And it finally, with your 10th book, huh. you actually sold one into publication. If you're going to be like me, huh. uh, it's not going to cut it to take 10 years to write a book. You'll be you'll be gone. I see. So basically, persistence is very important. Apparently, you kept at it. You didn't quit. Just keep. That's, uh, that's the secret to my success. It might not work for other people. Yeah. By the way, do you play basketball or do you like basketball? No. Uh, no just, I, just I use it because I'm terrible at it. <laughs> oh, okay. My son plays it. He's a big guy. Now, Bruce, um, the idea of love, you know, love universally. Uh, we talk about loving ourselves, others, and a higher nature. How do we bring more love into the world? Either I mean, dog love, of course, we know, and also non-dog love. What, what would be, you think, a good approach for that? To bring more love into the world. Well, uh, I would say that the secret lies in the way a dog will forgive you just about anything. Mm. Uh, if you forget to feed your dog, they'll forgive you. If you leave them and you get tied up at work and you can't come home and it's very late when you walk in, they forgive you. They they just can never hold a grudge. Right. And think of all think of all the wasted time we have in our brains where we've held a grudge against some other person for some insult or slight right. or even a crime. I mean, there just comes a point where you have to acknowledge that you'll be forever a victim of a crime if you just can't get past it. And a dog, you know, uh, I've seen dogs that are in carts because they were hit by a car and they no longer have movement in their rear legs. And I wrote a book about that called Lacey's Story. Hmm. And these dogs completely are happy because as far as they're concerned, well, something goofy happened with their legs, but they're not in pain. So they're fine. And I think for people, if I got hit by a car and, and could no longer move my legs, I might spend the rest of my life uh, bitterly 
going over and over what happened and thinking about how unfair it was. So that's that's the secret. Look at how dogs do it. Yes, I like that. So you sound like full acceptance of everything in life, non-judgmentalism, tolerance for others and for yourself too, because we can be very harsh critics sometimes. And yes. we need to, uh, you know, forgive ourselves is one of the key to, keys to happiness, self-forgiveness. Uh, and love, you know, loving yourself and, and others. So that's a very beautiful message. Now, looking at your books, you know, I have them here. This is um, this is one here, I guess, uh, Dog's Journey. And this this is uh, the one you said that really made it made you, right? The incense, the, yeah. the famous. Uh, and maybe in dog book guy. And dog book guy. Uh, so dog's purpose. And they have very um, kind of emotional themes. You know, we're talking about mortality and all that. So I'm kind of wondering, are you uh, what I call a feeling personality type? You know, in the Myers-Briggs, we do the testing. Uh, are you a feeler or a thinker, would you say? Making choices. I've always thought of myself as a thinker. Hmm. But uh, my language is always things like, well, I'm feeling this and I'm hmm. feeling that. And I also... Uh, Pretty much when I am imagining a, a scene, like an action scene, I wrote a book called A Dog's Courage, and it's about a dog who gets trapped in a huge fire in the Rocky Mountains. And it's got so much action. It's, it's an action thriller told from the point of view of a dog. And I knew whenever I was afraid and tense, and even though I was making the story up, when it got to me emotionally, I knew I had something. Ah. If I write something or if I'm imagining something and I'm ah. just not feeling it, hmm, it's okay. not, I throw it out. It's not any good. So maybe you're a closet feeler is what I call like internally. You don't show it as much, but you have that uh, ability to tap into the feelings. Uh, because I'm reading the passage here and from the dog's purpose, uh, the owner is dying. Um, Ethan, and he says he would be leaving soon. My boy, which I assume he's a man now, is dying. His hand is weak. Trembling, I will miss you, doodle dog, he says. I loyally remained right where I was remembering, where I was remembering the first time I had seen the boy and the last time. This is the dog talking now. At that moment, I was at peace, secure in the knowledge that my living my life the way I had, everything had come down to this moment. I had fulfilled my purpose. That's a dog's purpose. And then the dog's journey, the second part of it, is now the dog is dying. And they're saying to the dog around, you know, the family members, we love you. The waves swept over me. Gold, the light was gold. And suddenly my vision was as clear and as sharp as a puppy. Bailey, Ethan yelled, waving. I was a good dog, and this was my reward. Now I would go to be with the people I loved. Whimpering with joy, I swam toward those golden shores. Now hearing that, people can get teary-eyed, but how do you feel? I mean, you probably heard this a lot. Is there a feeling that you have? Oh, I think there's what could be sweeter than a story of reunification of the story of uh, a dog uh, finding the people that were important to him or her and, and reuniting that that's, that's the secret sauce in a dog's purpose, a dog's journey a dog's promise that's the trilogy and then yes. i've also written a series a dog's way home and a dog's courage right which is a two book series mm. with the same theme it's not reincarnation but it's returning to mm. the people you love mm. uh i'm very moved to to suppose that um a lost dog can find its way back to the to people uh, that the dog cares about more than anything yeah that's very beautiful so the the emotions are there but also it's a feeling of, like you said, love, right? So eternal love, I think, could be the theme 
of your books in this human uh, dog scenario. And uh, Bruce, uh, is there any projects you're uh, working on now? What, what are you excited about? Because you've got so many different things you've done. Yeah, I have a book coming out in September called Zeus uh, Water Ooh. Rescue. It's a, a new series for me built around dogs with a purpose, dogs who have a job. Ah. And Zeus is a water rescue dog. Mm. I'm working on uh, the second book in the series. They're mm. standalone. Mm. Zeus doesn't know the dog I'm writing about now, whose mm. name is Ripley. Ripley works at a fire station. I'm very excited about these books. Mm. And uh, it's, it's a series for younger readers. Mm. And uh, then I've got a book um, that I will start writing any day now that's mm. due this at the end of the summer. Uh, I'll probably be late. <laughs> and that, but uh, that's because I have too many books to do at once. But I'm really excited about uh, that book. Doesn't really have a working title yet. Mm. And I've got a couple more stored up so i'm always writing and uh i'm, I'm on writer's strike at this moment because oh. my my screenplays and my tv uh scripts cannot be discussed or sold or anything uh so i'm just focused on my my novels right now i'm allowed as a member of the wga to stay focused on uh, writing books so that's what i'm doing i see so the writer the you know, the heart of the writer right the words flow through you Yes. You said, uh, you know, like you said, maybe giving thanks to something higher, right, that, that is giving you that, that talent. In Spanish, we have the word don. You may have heard the word don divino, which means gift from God. Uh, you know, okay. don, don is a talent, an ability. And uh, you appear to have many talents. And I'd love to have you on again, maybe for that new book, The Purpose Driven Dog, as you call it, right? Something like that. Yeah, Dogs with a Purpose. Dogs with a Purpose. That'd be fantastic. Where can people hear more about, you have a website or where they can get a hold of you and your books and things? and all that? Sure, you can find me at, a, at wbrucecameron.com. If it's easier, mm -hmm. you can go to adogspurpose.com and there is a way to get in touch with me if that's your interest. Um, I send signed book plates to anybody who asks and bookmarks and get on my mailing list. I'll send you a letter every once in a while, uh, an actual snail mail letter. That's, uh, that's, I just do things the old-fashioned way. I like that. Yeah, that's kind of cool. Well, Bruce, it's been a pleasure having you on the show. We'd love to have you on again. I can see the love emanating from you through the dog, right? So it's like yeah, a little yeah. bit of a symbolic gesture that we have. Uh, so definitely keep uh, the beautiful work you're doing, helping us have more love in the world. Thank you. The pleasure was all mine. Until next time, this is Dr. Alex Avila, Love University. Everyone put it where your notebooks, your iPads, your phones. Class is now dismissed. Let's see, what did you think of the interview, by the way? This interview we had with Mr. Bruce, uh, W. Bruce Cameron. Oh, yeah? It was boring? No, it wasn't boring. Come on. Okay, tell me the truth. Okay, here's a bone for you. Oh, you loved it. Okay, it was a wonderful interview uh, about uh, basically you guys, right? You dogs that are very loving, uh, generous, non-judgmental, and forgiving. And that, I think, is the, the main message we got today, is that we can um, be a little more like dogs in certain ways, uh, psychologically and emotionally. They love us no matter what. They live for the moment. They don't worry about the future. They don't regret the past. Those are beautiful things. And when you do that, you really love yourself because you forgive yourself for the past. You take away the fear and anxiety of the future. And you live for the moment. Now, you want to go out right now? You want to go to the beach or something or have a little fun? I think she does. Uh, so this is the message. And Bruce um, was a great guest. We'd love to have him back again. Uh, and also, if you guys want to write to us, uh, you can reach us at loveuniversitylove at gmail.com. You can call us at 310-226-8090. You can visit us at loveuniversity.love. You can download the podcast, Podbean, Spotify, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can follow us and like us on Facebook and Instagram at Love Letter You Podcast. You can also 
Follow us on Twitter at Love You Podcast. So until next time, this is Dr. Alex Avila. We'd love to hear from you, have you on the show possibly, and get more knowledge to you and from you. Again, this is Dr. Alex Avila, Love University. Put away your notebooks, your iPads, your phones. Class is now dismissed. Say bye, Yitzi. Bye-bye.